Praise God. Uh, Thursday evening, Brother Richie will be here with us. He will be staying with uh, Brother and Sister O'Neill because I will be in Toledo, Ohio, teaching a seminar Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. But uh, we wish that you would come and bring a special offering for the Windward Islands. Brother Richie has several needs there, and he has spoken to me about the needs. We're planning on presenting those at camp, but it would be good if we could just bring a special offering and give to the riches as they travel through. We support them already. Uh, we've been behind on our missionary pledges. I'm sure that Brother Richie would like to see us increase you know, our giving. Uh, these missionaries just, you know, this, it seems to me like there should be a better way than they, them having to come around and ask for it. Now, that would put me on the spot. In fact, that, that might even prohibit me from ever being a missionary because I'm not one to ask. But nevertheless, uh, we do understand the pressure that they're under when they come to a church. So let's, without hesitation, bring a special offering. Sister Grant will be here, and I will assure you she'll bring a special offering. So just because I'm gone doesn't mean that I will not give a special offering. Praise God. Well, the Lord is great, isn't he? Yes, he is. <clears throat> we recently uh, showed some films focused on the family. And I trust that you've thoroughly enjoyed those films. I've had so many people to come. We're going to try to get some of the materials and put it into the church library. When we say materials, we're basically talking about tapes. But uh, it would be good if we could also purchase some of the books and put them in the church library. I suppose the situation concerning the focus on the family has called my attention more so to my message this morning than uh, any particular message I've ever preached. But I'd like for you to turn with me, if you would, to the book of Galatians. Now, this message this morning is one that would be easily misunderstood, so I want you to hear everything that I have to say. If you're a guest here, keep your ears open. I don't mind anybody going and, and quoting me on anything I say, but make sure when you quote me it is a quote that you don't put your own interpretation in there. The Galatians 3:26 through 29. <clears throat> For ye are all the children, verse 26 of Galatians 3. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized unto Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, and ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. All right, you may be seated. <clears throat> now, the reason why that I said that this particular message could be misunderstood is because I'm going to make some opening remarks and statements here that you could misunderstand. So make sure that you, if you quote me outside this assembly, that you quote me verbatim, okay? 
There have been, in recent years, some movements introduced into our society that I feel have been very, very devastating. Now, in almost any movement, there is an element of truth involved. And yet, at the same time, it's like some of the Senate bills that are passed. There will be an amendment or there will be something tagged on to the law that people pay no attention to. So in the passing of a particular bylaw or law in Congress sometimes can have very devastating effects because the tagged on sometimes can have greater influence and demand upon our society as far as financial and social pressures and what you would ever believe. Now, we're living in the end time. The Apostle Paul spoke that in the latter days, perilous times shall come. Now, the word perilous here means very hazardous times, dangerous times. In other words, people will be subjected to pressures that will destroy them and also their society. Now, we know that the Scripture says in Christ Jesus there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, in recent years, there has emerged a movement called the Women's Liberation Movement. Now, if you quote me, make sure that you quote me verbatim. People have asked me if I have agreed with the women's liberation movement. I disagree with the women's liberation movement as it has been introduced by the feminist in our world. I personally believe if a lady is doing the work of a man that she needs to be paid what a man is doing. But I also agree that a woman ought not be doing the work of a man to start with. Now, some of you are very tense already because you think I'm going to really hit you with something heavy. Just relax, okay? We're all in this together, and there's only one door going outside, and if you leave, we'll all see you, so... (laughs) No, I definitely believe that a woman has a particular role, and I definitely believe that a man has a particular role. Now, the women's liberation movement, which is largely atheistic, will tell you that even in Christianity, that God has made no difference between male and female. Well, has he? The Bible says that he has not. There is neither male nor female. Now, if we take that literal just like it is, 
and we believe it as it is, that is, not considering the context, then why do we have men's rooms and women's rooms, separate restroom facilities? See, evidently, it is easier for us to take things out of context when we want to apply them to a particular teaching than what we would stress otherwise. Do you know the reason why we have a women's room and a men's room? Because we really do believe that sexes should be separated. See? Now, don't we believe that? In fact, if you were a lady and you tried to use the men's restroom here, you'd probably get thrown out. And if you were a man and you tried to use the women's restroom facilities, I know for sure you'd get thrown out. But it is easy to take a passage of Scripture and apply that and quote that to enforce your own doctrine and enforce your own teaching. So we say that it does make a difference between male and female. Let me ask you this. Would you come to this church if Brother Grant married a man to a man? You wouldn't do that, would you? But if you took this scripture without the consideration of other Bible scriptures and take it out of context, you would have no validity for your prejudice. Now, come on. Now, you know good and well that if I were to marry a man to a man, that you wouldn't like it. And you sure wouldn't like it if I united two women in marriage. So evidently, sexes do mean something to God. So, what has happened as a result of the movement that's in our country, at the same time there has been a revival of the focus on the family. Now, I'm not saying Dr. James Dobson is responsible for that, but throughout all of our apostolic churches, we are highly stressing a woman's role and a man's role. And we're saying it does make a difference. Now, the women's liberation movement would tell me I was prejudiced. In fact, I know they would. They say, Pastor Grant, you're prejudiced. Well, if I'm prejudiced, then God's prejudiced. And yet God is the God that says that he is no respecter of persons. And yet the Bible is full of information concerning a woman's role and a man's role. And if you don't believe it, all you have to do is just keep on reading 
If you go on down, I say go on down, go into the epistles, and the same man who wrote this book also wrote the book of Ephesians. So if you'll just turn there and and look at the book of Ephesians, you will find that in, in Ephesians 5, that he says something here that's very, very important. Ephesians 5, verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now that's where the women's lip movement would stop. I think that's lib, isn't it? Women's lib, not women's lip. But that's where they would stop. And they would say, well... We don't believe that. Now, why would you believe part of God's Word and not believe it all? What causes a man to interpret certain scriptures to benefit himself and not others? Because one of the signs of the last days is that men would be extremely self-willed and rebellious against the authority and the law of God. But now you see, there are certain things that God will not allow. Well, I personally believe that the devil has launched an attack to stir up the minds and the feelings of the ladies throughout our country. I also feel that God is moving upon godly women and they are seeing their role in life clearer than ever before. Now please understand, when a woman submits to the authority of a husband, this does not penalize her. This gives her freedom. I mean, I submit to the authority of God. I submit to the authority of men. I don't feel penalized as a result of this. So... The Bible goes on down and, and, and speaks of, of this. Now, two years ago, the United Nations carried as a title for, or as a theme, maybe I should say, for the whole human race, the year of the child. And they promoted equal rights among children. Did you know that largely speaking, the, the courts of our particular land feel that children, even children who are under, under the adult age of what we consider 18, which is a, a really low age when you consider the, the scripture, that they say that children have equal rights with parents. Now, to show you the contradiction, if your child is under 18 and he violates the law, the parent becomes responsible for it. If your child runs through someone's chain link fence with your car, well, you're going to have to fix that. They will not charge the child. Neither will they try him in an adult court. They say you're responsible. But if you try to make the child stay home and not use the car that has potential running through the chain link fence and he doesn't like it, he'd run away from home, and they say, well, absolutely Everything's kosher. He, he, he's got rights too. 
You can't lose for losing. Now you follow what I'm saying. These are dangerous times. There are a lot of people that are that are walking on eggshells, so to speak, because because of their families. There there are Christians that are afraid, literally afraid, to rule in their own household for fear that children be taken away from them. And did you know that if you do rule in your own household, there is a possibility that your children will be taken away from you? Well, now, you and I know that as far as children are concerned, the Bible tells us, Honor thy father and mother, Ephesians 6, verse 2, which is the first commandment with promise. What is a promise? That it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Now, Satan has come to do what? To kill and steal and destroy And so he's telling children, don't listen to mom and and don't listen to dad and you be rebellious and the courts will uphold it and the counselors at the public schools will uphold it. Of which they will. And what you're doing then, you are bringing the penalty of death upon your life prematurely. Well, you're playing right in the hands of Satan because his whole job is to destroy His whole purpose is to get you into hell as soon as he can. So I suppose that when it comes to different positions and levels in life, that uh, it does make a difference. Now the courts would say that you're prejudiced because, because you want people to submit to your authority. You want people to listen to you. Well, I would say that if I'm prejudiced here, then God must be prejudiced. Amen? Amen. Now, you follow what I'm saying here. Now, I want to bring up something here that is very, 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 very touchy. We have people here in our congregation from all walks of life. Now, I personally, I'm going to tell you about my background, okay? Grant, at one time, 50% or better of all Scottish people bore the name Grant. Now, that simply means my ancestors were Scottish. Now, couldn't you just see me in Scotland wearing a kilt? I don't know what I'd look like. (laughs) But couldn't you just see me in that attire? And, of course, Wallace, my mother was Wallace, and Wallace is uh, a French name. And my grandfather, on my mother's side, they were all French. They were very uh, dark-haired, dark-complexioned people. Now, my great-grandmother, on my mother's side, was full-blooded Cherokee Indian. So I, I'm just kind of a, what would you say? Somebody said a Heinz 57. Now, I'd, now I don't know about that, you know. <clears throat> See. <clears throat> but now we do, as we look across the, the congregation, we have people from, 
from all different nationalities and such. I'm just going to point out some here, and I'm not trying to make uh, anyone feel embarrassed. I'm going to try to point out something I feel is very, very important. My Linda Boone is German. Is that right? All right. And uh, everybody knows it. Can you speak German? And Dutchman. Okay, can you speak Dutch then? Just German. Let me hear you say something in German. Okay, do you understand that, Brother Miller? I see, Brother Miller is German also, see. I don't know what they're saying. I don't have any idea. You said praise the Lord. Okay. All right. She said praise the Lord. Now, when I look across the congregation, I can identify several different nationalities. Now, Shannon over here, Shannon's mother is from Jamaica. Isn't that right? Your father's from Jamaica. All right. Her father is from Jamaica. Now, I think in Jamaica they speak English. Is that right? They do speak English? Okay. But, uh, so she's an American Jamaican. <clears throat> Whatever. <Yeah. clears throat> now, we, do we have any people here who are Norwegian? I see your hand. All right, look at the people who are Norwegian. Do we have any people here who are, who are Polish? I see your hand, okay? have got several hands. Do we have other Germans here? All right. You got okay. Do we have any French people here? All right. A lot of people. I could go on and on and on, can we? We have any Scottish people? Okay. You know O'Neill's a Scottish, I mean Irish name. Irish, okay. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> okay, we have any Canadians here? Of course all okay, French Canadian, but of course, uh, largely the Western Hemisphere uh, is predominantly filled with people who are from other nations. Okay, we have any Africans here? I'm sure that we have several. Okay, back here. All right, uh, we have any Asians here? We got a couple back here from the Philippines, way back here. See, right here. Okay, now. The reason why I call your attention to this because, you see, what happens quite often in a society where there is a blending of cultures, okay, this word prejudice always comes up. And, and I don't think that you could ever get rid of it. I think you're going to always talk about this. Now, there is a movement in our country to blend all the cultures together. Yet at the same time you will notice, now listen to me very carefully, now don't misunderstand what I'm saying, okay? At the same time there is a revival also to point out the differences of cultures and, and, and somehow to uh, accent those differences. Now, for an example, okay, the Jews are going back to their homeland, are they not? Our government has reacted to the Jewish 
state or the Jewish nation largely, not because that the Jews fit in Bible prophecy and not because we're evangelical, but because that we have more Jewish people living here in the states than, than there are in the nation of Israel. See? So it's going to be pretty hard for us to go against the Jewish nation. Why? Because we have more Jews here in our country than we have over in Israel. See? Now see, this is the same thing that happened with Poland. Okay, you see, when Poland... Now you may think Brother Grant's getting political here. No, i got something biblical I want to talk about, okay? We're going to talk about being saved. And how God looks at the soul of man. You see, Galatians 3... When it speaks of there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, there is neither circumcised or uncircumcised, for we are all Abraham's seed. This is talking about the faith and the soul of man. It's not dealing with the differences of culture or sexes or roles in life. It's not dealing with that at all. But you see, when, when the martial law was put in force in Poland, the Polish community of Chicago rose up against the martial law. See? Now, in Poland, there is a labor union there that is having trouble with the government. Now, I don't know whether you know it or not, but the labor union that is throughout Poland was started in Chicago in the Polish community. They put that labor union in the country of Poland. They were responsible for it. This is a reason why that the Polish people looked to Chicago for support during the time in which Martial law was incorporated. You see, Warsaw, Poland, being the largest city in Poland, is the largest Polish community in the world. The second largest Polish community in the world is not in Poland. It's in Chicago, Illinois. See, there is no city outside of Warsaw that has more Polish people than Chicago. And this is the reason why that America largely has had such great influence over so many nations. Because she has so many people of so many different cultural backgrounds. See? And it is very, very easy for us to have influence over a lot of nations. Why? Because of the people. Now, what do you mean because of the people? Well, you see, <clears throat> the Polish people of America feel a definite link to Poland. Now, they do. And by the same token, the Jewish people of America feel a very definite link to Israel. Why? Because those are their people. 
That's their nation. Now, America, they say, we are American. But there's something about it. Now, there are a lot of German people in America, and during World War II, when the Nazi party controlled the reason why that America had to make such a strong stand, because we, we disagree with the Nazi movement to start with. But the reason why is because that we have many, many, many German people in America and the concentration camps and such and the business that was going on over there, the American German people said, look, we will not stand for it. We came to America, but they still they feel a definite link back to their homeland. Now, why do people feel a definite link to their homelands and such? Now, <clears throat> of course, I don't feel a particular link to to uh, to uh, Scotland like a lot of people would, because, well, first place, uh, I am partly French and partly American Indian and. And uh, so I'm a Heinz 57, somebody said here this morning. So, But let's go back to Acts, the, the 17th chapter, just for a moment. And let's look at something that, <clears throat> that we want to call your attention to. This is Paul on Mars Hill. <clears throat> then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill verse 22 of chapter 17, and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. Oh, I don't think Christians ought to be superstitious. Do you? No, I think, I think superstitions come from, from witchcraft and, and all of this ugly stuff. <clears throat> okay? For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth all life and breath and all things. And hath made... Of one blood, notice this, all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth and have determined, notice this, and have determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Now Paul is making reference to the Old Testament and the dividing of the nations. And what he's saying here, it was God that determined the bounds of their habitation. Now, habitation means the location in which they live. See? So, what he's saying is that, that, uh, that here's Greece. Who put the Grecians here? He said, God did that. Who put the Jews in the Holy Land? God did that. Who put the Egyptians where they are? He said, God did that. Do you know the reason why that there's such a struggle in the Mideast now? 
There's a, there's a struggle of the Holy Land. Who owns the Holy Land? Who owns Israel? The Jews say, we own it. Why? Because God put us here. Now that's their sole argument. God put us here. They said, well, the, the Jordanians, uh, the Arabs, they say, no, this belongs to us. The Jews say, God gave it to us. And it belongs to us. And that's their sole argument. Now you're going to find out that the Jews are going to be there always simply because God did give it to them. See? Now, this is what he's saying is, God divided the earth. The different languages that appear on the face of the earth happen to be God's idea, not man's idea. You may say, now why did God do all this? Now look, I'm not God. I can't think like God thinks. See? I have no way of thinking like God thinks. But I do know this in Genesis 11. At the Tower of Babel, God confounded their language and sent them into the parts of the earth. In Genesis 10, the Bible says in the days of Peleg that the earth was divided. Now, I've got my own feelings. I believe that the American Indian was placed here on this continent at the time of the dividing of the earth in the days of Peleg. And God put them here. And I think part of the conflict that America has had, listen to me carefully, over this business of prejudice is the fact that we invaded the land and took the land and we were rotten and we were scrambles against the American Indians and God put us here, put them here. You may say, are you trying to say, Brother Grant, we all should move back? No, I'm trying to say we need to understand that there are certain things that God personally ordained. And you won't change it and I won't change it. At the same time in which we are all wondering and worrying about prejudices and such, at the same time in which we're trying to blend our culture, listen to me carefully. And if you quote me, quote me verbatim. There has also come out of this a revival in which various cultures are trying to identify themselves. In the very near future, Stoughton will have a whole week in which they will try to revive the Norwegian culture. I also know that I read in the paper this very day in which the African Americans have set aside a week in which they try to revive their culture. That seems real strange to me that if we're interested in blending our culture together, why there's such a revival among us to revive our culture. That is innate in us because God made the nations. That's what Paul is saying. There are certain things that you don't have control over. It's in you. Why do the Jews have a love for the Holy Land? Outside of the fact that God ordained that country and gave it to them, I could not answer it. And why do the African Americans feel something inside of their heart? It begins to trouble them when they see in Africa the pictures of starving millions of people over there and the trouble, the political pressures. Why do they feel that when perhaps I wouldn't feel that way? Because there is a definite link to that country. It's in their heart. God put it that way. God made it that way. 
Now you can do anything you want to do, but it's still there. Why does the Polish community in Chicago feel the way they do about martial law in Poland? It appears to me, friend, they didn't like Poland. That's why they came to America. But on the other hand, you'll find out they like it a whole lot better than what they thought they liked it when they see their people oppressed. Now you follow what I'm saying. Now Brother Grant is not preaching this message so that we can point out the different cultures here and we're saying, hey, we don't, we're not going to have any fellowship or anything. I'm pointing out something about the Word of God that all of us need to understand. That there are certain things that are happening in America that I personally think Christians ought not to get involved in. And I might just point out this to all the black people who are here. Martin Luther King was not your Messiah. Jesus Christ was your Messiah. And it seems strange to me that all the messages that I heard, personally heard, Martin Luther King uh, speak on and such, I never one time heard him use the name of Jesus, yet he's supposed to have been a preacher. You may say, are you disagreeing with what he did? Oh, I'm not even bringing up that issue. What I'm saying is, don't look to him as your personal Messiah. He's not your Messiah. Jesus Christ is your Messiah. Praise God. And that's something we need to understand. Okay, God, God hath appointed the bounds of their habitation. God put the nations where they are. For some reason, God says, I want the Chinese people living here, and I want the Indians living here, and I want the Africans here, and I want the Europeans here, and I want the Indians over here. I didn't have anything to do with that, neither did you. But I don't feel victimized over the fact that God made it that way. I accept what God has personally done. Now, in America, it's a different story altogether because we have all emigrated here. The only true Americans are the Indians. So here we are. But we are having a lot of social pressures, and a lot of that is simply because that we're not living in the bounds of our habitation. Now, some of you not want to say amen to that. Now, we're all here, and we can't help it, but we're here, and I'm glad that we're here. But nonetheless, that's part of the problem. But we want to move on because we believe that God has harmonized us all at a particular point. Okay? Okay. Verse 27, that they should seek after the Lord... If happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from any one of us. Now God is, uh, Paul was saying that, that God put men in, in different localities. At the same time, he made it possible in which they could seek after him and feel after him. Verse 28, for in him we live and move and we have our being as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think of the Godhead is likened to gold or silver or stone graven by art of man's device. Now, he's saying that we're all the offspring of God. Now, here's an Irishman. Stand up here by me. 
And I suppose you'd say that I'm a Scottish, okay? Come, come up here, Brother Wallace. <clears throat> you stand up here, okay? And uh, we have a man in the back back there who's a Philippine. Now, we're all offspring of God. That's what he's saying. He's saying that this is my brother in the Lord. And this is my brother in the Lord. You see. And every man, every man, regardless of who he is, the color of his skin, regardless of his origin, God hath made it possible in which we can find common ground for fellowship. Why? Because we're all the offspring of God. Now, He's bringing this down to Calvary. Let me tell you something, friend. Jesus Christ did not die because of the color of skin. He died because of the color of sin. It was all horrible in His sight. And so the common ground of all men, He says, is Calvary. Because we're all the offspring of God. Praise God. You may be seated. You see, this is what he's bringing into, in, into existence here, or to our attention. All right? Let's go on down. Verse 30. And at times of this ignorance, God winked at. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Now notice what he says. There was a time which God winked at ignorance. Now I think if you read Romans 2, you will find exactly what he was talking about. So if you'll turn with me to Romans 2. Romans 2 verse 11. Now notice this. Well, let's back up. Uh, Let's read verse 10. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile. Now, when it says to the Jew first, that simply means that the oracles of God were first preached to the Jews. Okay? Verse 11. For there is no respect of persons with God. Now, if God was not prejudiced, follow me. Why did he first preach to the Jews? Why was it first given to the Jews? Now, there's a reason why that was first given to the Jews. See, I need a husband and wife in here. Brother Sister Nelson, stand. Would you? Now, when God talks to this family about the organization of the family, about the philosophy of the family, about the faith of the family, no reflection on Sister Nelson, but he's going to first talk to Tom. Now, why is he doing that? Because God has had a systematic approach toward productivity and progression. The reason why to the Jews first is because that Abraham, who listened to God, while all the world was silent, he showed that fidelity to God, and God committed himself to Abraham. Now let me show you something about this. 
Now, no reflection on Sister Nelson, okay? But the reason why that God speaks to Tom, because it was Eve that first sinned, not Adam. Now, while God first speaks to Tom, and then Tom speaks to his wife, that does not penalize his wife. That's just God's way of doing things. Praise God. You may be seated. The whole reason why that the earth was divided to start with and different nations were formed, as far as I can see in the Scripture, is because of sin that started. Now, I said a few minutes ago that I'm not for sure why that God, in other words, it's like the new birth. I know why we need to be born again, because we're dirty, rotten sinners. But you see, God could have used something else, some other means. You see, after the flood, God told them to be scattered and multiply upon the face of They didn't do it. They went in one spot, all of them, and they said, we're going to unite together and we're going to stay right here. I personally believe that we're having a lot of social pressures in our world today, and especially in America, because, now I'm not going to say that I think America is against the will of God, but what I'm saying is we need to understand that all this business about pressures and prejudices and such, that, that I don't think you can possibly eliminate it from your vocabulary. And please understand this also. That a lot of things that we look upon and we say, hey, this is prejudice and everything. If that is true, then God must have been prejudiced. And please understand, I'm not saying that because the color of my skin is white. That has no bearing on it at all. That sometimes we have feelings in our heart that prohibit us from true fellowship among the body of Christ simply because of social pressures and such that God didn't really want there to start with. Do you follow what I'm saying? Now we want to go on a little bit further in this because this is very, very important that we understand this. Okay, for there is no respect of persons with God. Well then why the Jew first? Because he was the only one that would listen. See? Why Adam before Eve? Because she didn't listen. You see, we, we this is God's, but we didn't have anything to do with this. Not us personally. At one time, somebody did. But we didn't have anything to do with it, okay? All right. <clears throat> For as many have have sinned without the law, shall also perish without the law. And as many have have sinned in the law, shall he judge by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. Now notice what he said. There was a time in which God winked at ignorance. In other words, the Old Testament was given primarily to the Jews. Okay, Moses wrote Genesis Exodus, and then, of course, you find the 
the, the law of God given in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, which is called the Torah or the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Now, the Old Testament then was given to the Jewish nation. Why? Because they were listening to God. Now, the Gentiles, the Bible says, they did not have the oracles of God. Now, I personally feel that in the Old Testament, without the Mosaic Law, I personally feel that people could be saved. If they did by nature the things contained in the law. Now, you may say, can you prove that? I think a type of that is found in the Old Testament when Jonah went into Nineveh. Nineveh, without exception, was a Gentile city that totally repented in sackcloth and ashes, and God spared them and granted unto them salvation. They revived their conscience which was a law to them. But now notice what he's saying, however. You see, there was a time in which men didn't follow the law, the Mosaic law, and God winked at it. That simply means he overlooked it, simply because that their conscience served as a law unto them. But now he's saying, God doesn't do that now. Why? Because, you see, the new covenant, that we have is not just with the Jews but the new covenant is a covenant for all men the new testament is for the Irish it's for the Jamaican it's for the Scottish it's for the German it's for the Filipinos it's for all people everywhere. And what he's saying is that God's not going to overlook this business like he did in the past. It's given to all men everywhere. Okay. Now, we want to stop there just for a moment. And now what I'd like to do, if you would, <clears throat> I'd like for you to go back with me to Genesis 11. Now I think that God has something very beautiful in store for us. Genesis 11. And the whole earth was a one language and a one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick, and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach into heaven. Let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. You see, God had told them that they should be scattered abroad, but they said, we're not going to do that. Okay, verse 5. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they began to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Now you can understand that, that you see, when, when all the people were together, if iniquity starts among that group, 
the whole human race will be polluted with idolatry, infidelity. It'll be like it were in the days of Noah. See? That's the way it will be. Just like it was in the days of Noah. Now, God did not want them all together. He wanted them scattered abroad. But they said, now we're not going to do that. So, all right, they set to accomplish a particular goal. Okay, now, God looked down, the Bible says, and He confounded their language that they may not understand one another's speech. Now, in, in, in making reference to, to what I previously stated here, uh, I think down in Illinois there's a large camp down there someplace, and they speak the Hebrew language, and they feel that everybody on the earth ought to speak the Hebrew language. And so they have a particular uh, a title in which they feel that all of us should, could, should use concerning the name of Jesus. They say that we should not use the name of Jesus because Jesus is an English name, and we should use the Hebrew name for Jesus. Well, you see, now this business about different languages was not man's idea. This was God's idea. We use the name Jesus. And many different nationalities use different names. But please understand that the various languages was not my idea. It was God's idea. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So the Lord God scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. All right. And then, of course, they were scattered abroad upon all the face of the earth. Chapter, verse 9. All right. Now, let me explain something here. And men dwelled in different localities. Skirmishes between nations began to occur when different people wanted to get out of the bounds of their habitat. You follow what I'm saying? The Syrians, they want to go over and take Israel. Israel wants to go over and take Syria. Syria wants to take Egypt. And so forth. And, and so there's been a battle raging among human races over boundaries since this day. Now... I want to show you something about Acts, the second chapter, that I feel that's very, very important for us to understand. Acts, the second chapter. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, this was on the day of Pentecost. Now, when the Feast of Pentecost was held, you'll find that the Jews who proselyted people from all over the world into the Jewish faith, that people from all over the world came to Jerusalem to worship. And upon other feast days, they did the same. This is the reason why the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8 came to Jerusalem. He came there to worship. The Bible says that he did. So here we have all of these different nationalities. All right? 
they were there. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared in them clothing tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Now they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? And here are all the different nationalities that were gathered there. Now, let me show you exactly what happened. You see, God scattered men upon the face of the earth. He confounded their language so that they spoke different languages. He put them in various habitats and such. Now, this was God's idea. Please understand. But now, God had a plan, however, that there's going to be a time in which all of the different languages... will be brought back together. Okay? That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. There were nations from all over the world who had gone there to worship. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And all the different nationalities heard them, and they said, Hey, we hear every man speak in our own tongue wherein we were born. Now, at the Tower of Babel, because of sin, because of direct disobedience to God, as they began to work on the tower, they wanted to make a tower to reach the heaven. This was a man-made method to reach God and to reach heaven. But man-made methods don't work. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous runneth into it and are saved. Now we're talking about the name of the Lord. If you notice here, they built this to make a name for themselves. They didn't care about God. And so as a result, they went down in the valley on the sands of Shinar. The church, however, the strong tower that reaches to heaven, friend, it's not built on the sand. It's built up on the rock Christ Jesus. The Bible tells us in Matthew 16, Upon this rock I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Praise God. This Jesus' name, church, not man-named church. It's built upon the rock. It's a spiritual tower that reaches the heavens. And instead of scattering abroad and confounding the language, it's the regrouping, it's the bringing back of all of the languages. You see, God has given us a common language this business of speaking with other tongues, friend, is not just a popular fad that has invaded the religious world. 
in the 20th century. But it is a definite movement of God. A definite movement of God. Now notice what happened here. The Bible says that the hearers, they said, we hear every man in our own tongue. But you see, at the Tower of Babel, it was something different from that. The people came and they asked for brick. They got slime, which was mortar. They didn't understand each other. There was confusion there. But you see, what God is doing, He is bringing at Pentecost the nations back together. Praise God. He's bringing the nations back together. When Paul makes the statement in Galatians 3, this is what he's saying. He is saying, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. While I do definitely believe that a woman has a particular role, the Bible says that. And I do not believe that God is saying that it makes no difference now. That's, I, 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 don't, I don't agree with that. I don't believe that we have, should have common restrooms. And that ladies ought to be doing men's work. And men ought to be doing ladies' work. Why? Because we still live on this planet earth. This earth has not been redeemed yet. The curse of the earth will be renewed when God makes a new heaven and a new earth. And I believe as long as we live, now listen to me, that there will be social pressures in America. And you may say, why are you saying all this? So that we understand as Christians that we can dwell together in a Christian community having our own cultures without being prejudiced and fighting all the time about them. You see, that's what we need to understand. See? See? And we can go up to each other and shake each other's hand and we say, Brother Wallace, you're my brother in Jesus. God has put us together. One nation, one tongue. You see, the Bible calls the church the peculiar people. The Bible also calls the church the holy nation. Praise God. One nation. What nation are we of? We're the Christian nation. Praise God. Now I doubt very seriously when we get to heaven. If women will be under the authority of men. I doubt very seriously. But then they might be. I don't know. You may say, well, why do you say they might be? Well, you see, even in heaven there is an order. If you be faithful here, God will make you ruler. Now, as, as, as long as there is a God, which will be forever, he will still be number one. So now, as far as eternity, I don't know. But this I do know. In Revelation 5. 
when the church was gathered around the throne, the Bible says that John saw men of every nation, kindred, and tongue. Now, why did God put them all together like that? Because, you see, we accepted the common language of the Christian community in the earth. We were born of the Spirit. It was the bringing back of all of the languages. You see, that's why Paul says, you know, I speak with the tongue of men and of angels. He's talking about a language that's clearly, distinctly spiritual. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. See, Sister Linda, you're an American, but you have connection to the old world. You speak the language of the German. I am an American. I don't know the language of the old world. But you see, God has taken all men everywhere now. And he has changed their citizenship. Now I'm an American. And I speak the language of another world. Praise God. She may be a German while she's yet an American. But she speaks the language of another world. Praise God. You see, God has given us that bond with heaven. Why is the Polish community concerned about Poland? Why are the Jews concerned about their land? Why are we concerned about heaven? You know why? Because God has somehow changed our citizenship. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Why do we get homesick for heaven? Why do we want to see the king of heaven? Why do we want to see all of our loved ones that have gone there? Because our citizenship has been changed. I am just an ambassador, Brother Rutherford, in this world. I'm as a pilgrim and a stranger. America is not my land, so to speak. Heaven is my homeland. Oh, hallelujah. And I want to go there. Praise God. I'm concerned about the king and the business of heaven. I'm concerned about my relatives who live there. Oh, hallelujah. And there is a longing in my soul to go to my home. Jesus says, I go to prepare a mansion for you. Did you know that my Redeemer has a crew working right now somewhere building a home? Hallelujah. 
praise God, praise God, praise God. I'll tell you, there is nothing in this world that is deserving of my attention to take my eyes off of that homeland. Praise God. Sister Hughes, Brother Hughes can walk through and he says, this is going to be a nice place for Dorothy when she gets here. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Let's stand together, would you? Oh, hallelujah. Yea, my children, don't you understand my word and my voice? For I do stand among you today. I am your deliverer. I led my children out of Egypt, across the Red Sea, into the land in which I appointed. Yea, don't you also know that I, the Redeemer of the world... I'm able to lead you through the waters of repentance and death and burial. I can lead you to a new life and make a new creature out of you and change your citizenship from this planet earth to the land that you long for. But I ask of you to follow me. Don't you also understand that I, the Lord, I've had types and shadows in my word. And that my deliverer, Moses, went out of the land for a while and took for himself a Gentile bride. Don't you understand that Moses was my type? And I took delight in him. And for this reason I allowed this to happen. Don't you understand that I, the Lord your God, have chosen to take a bride out of every nation, kindred and tongue? And I am truly your deliverer. But yea, please understand that my desire is to make you one nation in the eternal city. For I am the Lord your God, and I speak to you this day saith the Lord. Hallelujah. 
Oh. Aren't you glad that Jesus redeemed us? Oh, glory to You know, I believe that God wants to do something for somebody today. If you don't like social pressures, if you don't like all the turmoil of our world, if you don't like the perilous times and you're sick and tired of all of this, you can repent today and God will change your citizenship from this world to the world to come. There is a place on both sides of the pulpit in which you can come and kneel and give your heart to the Lord. Why don't you step right out right now? Come and repent of your sins. Go through the watery grave. Become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. You want to step out right now? God bless these who are coming. Others need to come. Why don't you step out right now? Oh, God loves you. God loves everybody. God wants to save everyone. It's not His will that any should perish. Why don't you come on? Come on right now. Others need to come. Praise God. Come on right now. The voice of the Lord is speaking to you. Would you come? Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. All right, we'd like for everybody to find a place to kneel and pray. We need Christians to come, Christian workers, saints of God, to come and pray with the people who have come here and bowed. Oh, yeah.